Park. It's an 87th Precinct podcast bonus episode. This is the bonus episode for our look at book number 45 in the series, which was Mischief, which was basically everything and the kitchen sink in there as well. It's, um, well, you'll have listened to the main episode. It's a lot of stuff going on. So, as usual, we'll use this time to have a look at how the artists involved chose to um, reflect that on the cover. Uh, but just just before we do that, I'll just give you a rundown on the publishing information of this book, because I didn't do it in the main thing, so it's, it's more relevant here. So, in America, the books have been published for a little while by William Morrow and Avon in hardback and paperback. This is the last of the William Morrow and Avon books. Okay, so this is the last time we've got one from William Morrow and Avon in the US. Whereas in the UK, the books are now being published by Hodder and Stoughton in hardback and Coronet in paperback. Coronet just being part of the Hodder group, I think. Mm-hmm. And bizarrely, this is one of the few books that's still not available as an ebook if you're one of the people buying them in a digital format. So this doesn't come out in the new Amazon editions at all. For what reason, I don't know. I was told that basically it's, it's down to they get the rights as and when they can. So maybe because there's changes in publishers or something, I don't know at this point. But yeah, you, this is one you can't get as an ebook to this day, whereas Crazy. so many of the rest you can. Mysterious. Mysterious indeed. But let us go into the world of the original artwork for, well, to kick off with the US editions like we normally do. And Steve-O, do you want to start with the very first of the... Uh, of the book covers, which is the American paper, uh, hardback, sorry. Oh, right, okay. Well, it's, um, God knows what it is. I think it's like a representation of a wall, is it, in grey and uh, black? I think so, yeah. With a single red spray paint blob that's running red like blood. That yes. says Ed McBain Mischief in white text. So not that exciting, really. <laughs> Yeah, I get the concept behind that. It's simple enough, isn't it? And the next one down is the US paperback, if you want to take that one, Morgan, because this is uh, a bit different. Yeah, it, it is, actually, yeah. Uh, so it's just sort of um, Ed McBain in the kind of uh, turquoise colour, uh, mischief in some kind of um, sort of hot pink, um, and a sort of looming cityscape rendered in the kind of... I want to say, like maybe slightly Art Deco style. Possibly. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's 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 quite quite attractive. It doesn't appear to have anything whatsoever to do with the the book, but <laughs> it's set set in a city. So yeah, it's got a full moon with the words "The Deaf Man Returns" written in it. It has got that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know quite understand what it is. It's it is like do you know when they um, that Batman animated started, mm. which must have been around nineteen ninety three, I think. Um, and that had this, this sort of brilliant look of the sort of like the Age of Speed type designs. Yes, yeah. This has sort of got that, but also like it's crossed with a sort of Mr. Soft, bendy, yeah. <laughs> strange thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a bit yeah. of an odd one. Sort of Art Deco Gotham City through a fisheye lens kind of thing. Yeah, that might, uh, that might be the title of this episode. Um, <laughs> I'll describe the UK hardback edition, which is essentially the same as the American one. Just, um, I've got a dreadful copy of it. I can only find a really dreadful copy, which is, again, the the red splodge of paint running as if it's blood. And 
than the UK paperback, which is the one that I've got. I suspect that might be the ones that you guys have got. Yep. Absolutely. Which is a similar thing, but the, the splodge of paint on the wall is smaller. Mischief is written as if it's been spray painted on there, which at least makes more sense. Yeah. And we have McBain once again in a sort of gold shiny gold that hasn't been in for a little while mm. since those gold gold lettered um, pan editions really yeah. not the most thrilling set of covers but not really yeah, yeah. not the worst no yeah there's not much to say about them really so. yeah, there isn't. quite it... like that that us uh, paperback although as we say it doesn't necessarily bear much relation to the content of the book Quite like in the Italian one, though. There. Well, this is why I've put in these um, a couple of international editions. So do you want to describe the uh, Italian one, the Il Giallo Mondadori one, yeah, Steve? Miss Fatty. Yeah, it's just a spray um, painter being blasted with the blast of a gun. Yeah. In a hand that's coming out the side of a, the image. Very violent. Although all the crimes happen at night, and that's clearly in the middle of the day, so yeah, yeah. Or, or under a really, really powerful street lamp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is definitely where you wouldn't go if you were trying to get away with doing your graffitiing. But yeah, as we discussed, because we looked at the one for Kiss as well, didn't we? And it's like they literally just take a scene. They at least read some of the book. Mm-hmm. We suspect it might still be the first three pages tops, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, now I'll give you the chance to have a look at the Japanese one, Morgan, which we haven't discussed any Japanese ones yeah. before. So. It's it's uh, rather beautiful. Um, it's just a sort of uh, abstraction in blue, really, I guess, mainly. Yeah. Um, like sort of bowls, brushstrokes uh, in oils, um, a bit of a, an 8-7 in the middle there somewhere. doesn't necessarily tell you anything about the book, but uh, it's 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 quite pretty yeah well a lot of those hayakawa mystery uh editions that i have seen and i've not seen all of them but I, i've managed to track down yeah. a few to look at the covers of they're all done in these sort of weird abstract oils yeah and they're really intriguing yeah it's pretty and cool I, th- I think if you're gonna if you're gonna do something why not do something interesting yeah so i quite agree yeah and it all, yeah, I'll, I'll try and see if I can find more as we go through the last few anyway. Um, and I might try and post some of the older ones as well. But yeah, that's really fascinating. It's my favourite out of all the ones there anyway. Yeah, it's great. And uh, yeah, but you've got to love the Italian ones as well for sticking to the uh, the giallo, uh, yellow cover things. That yeah, they've been they're on. Pretty, pretty cool, kind of like pulpy kind of um, style, isn't it? It's great. Yeah. So we've ascertained that we've all got the UK paperback. I'm going to assume that we've all got... Mine is a, the new 87th Precinct bestseller, so it is a, a first edition yeah, paperback. Mine too. Yeah, first printing as well, mine. So. I think mine is too. Steve-o? 5.99. Mine was originally 5.99, yep. Yep. Mine too. Right, well, there we go. There's not much to say about that. Well, I'm going to stick my nose in and have the first <laughs> sniff. Well, I did, I did this in the week, and I've uh, yeah felt a bit peculiar after. Oh right, okay. No, mine's mine's quite <coughs> peculiar. Oh, peculiar again. 
<laughs> incredibly musty mine. I'm not. I'm, I'm not doing a big one. <laughs> That's how we go. Not much from mine at all. I, I do have a very poor sense of smell, as we know. But uh, yeah, surprisingly, um, yeah, bland. <laughs> Fair enough. So I've run the gamut there from Morgan's to mine to Stevo's. So, <laughs> you know, there we are. Why not smell your own book and tell us about it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> or or not <laughs> you know, right let's get into some of the stuff from 1993 some of our contextual stuff and we'll start with with music and my usual rundown of the the top 10 and i've picked the week of 7th of july 1993 the date that the book was uh, registered for copyright uh, i'm not going to make you guess anything i shall just run down from 10 to 1 in the uk to start with and tell me what you think cool so you know make an appropriate noise so number 10 we've got all that she wants by ace of bass <laughs> Marvellous. <laughs> it's all right, all that she wants. Yeah, a bit, a bit of Scandinavian cod reggae. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Two Princes by the Spin Doctors. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> of its time. Yeah, catchy. certainly is. Catchy. It is catchy. Um, I think it divides opinion quite a lot, that. So. Uh, number eight, we've got What's Up by Four Non Blondes. Oh, blimey. I'll leave it at oh blimey for that one. <laughs> Number seven, we've got One Night in Heaven by M People. Oh, God. One night. One night. That makes me think of Harry Hill, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. That's what it one is. One night. The People. Uh, number six is Rod Stewart with Have I Told You Lately. <sighs> yeah, we'll move on from that. Uh, Gloria Gaynor is at number five. Can you guess what Gloria Gaynor song it is? I can only assume that it was yet another reissue of I Will Survive, but... Yes, it was. It was I Will Survive 1993. But, uh, it, well, yeah, she did survive 1993, hopefully. I. I... Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, it's, I don't want to make those kind of predictions, really. It's almost tempting fate. <laughs> uh, it's a brilliant disco song, but it played to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four is... Do you know what you were saying about cod reggae? Oh, yeah. It's I Can't Help Falling in Love With You by UB40. Oh, what a year for, um, for, for yeah, songs that sound like someone's just pressed autoplay on the reggae setting of some Casio keyboard. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're far wrong on that being how it was made as well. Um, <laughs> number three, however, for more authenticity, we've got Tease Me by Shakademus and Pliers. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, number two, What is Love by Hadaway. God. That was a big hit, wasn't it? Yeah. Couldn't escape that one. And number one, Dreams by Gabrielle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I try to think what's my favourite out of that list on there. It's not a great list for me, I must say. It might be What is Love by Hadaway, to be honest. Yeah. Might be. Anyway, let's see what was happening in America. Um, It's a bit of a different sort of chart. So from... 10 upwards. So we got, number 10, we've got Come Undone by Duran Duran. Oh, yeah. I guess we just got that at a different time over here. It was a hit in the UK, I'm sure. Or maybe they just didn't make top 10. Earlier or about the same time? It'd be around the same time, I guess. Oh, right. um, they, 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 they did have, uh, I guess it was the same album that had Ordinary World on, which was like the big hit from that, I think. Well, right, fair enough. I'll take your word for it. Um, number nine is I'll Never Get Over You, Getting Over Me by Expose. 
not a clue. No, me either. Number eight is Dr. Dre with Dre Day. I don't know that one either. No. I mean, would that be relatively early in Dre's sort of um, fame? Yes, he's just a couple of years out of NWA at that point, yeah. yeah. Dre um, Day, I wonder what day Dre Day is. <laughs> we, we, well, we don't celebrate that way. <laughs> no, no, indeed. It's not a national holiday. Uh Number seven is Have I Told You Lately by Rod Stewart. Uh, Number six is Show Me Love by Rubin S. Uh, nope. No. No. Number five is Knocking Da Boots by H-Town. I don't know that one either, but it sounds great. Knocking Da Boots. Da Boots. I <laughs> know, oh, I don't like saying it out loud. Uh, but that's how it's got Knocking <laughs> Da Boots by H-Town. That sounds very saucy. Number four is Can't Help Falling in Love by UB40. Uh, but here it says it's from Sliver. Uh, that's right. Yeah, the, the uh, I seem to recall the video had them playing on these surveillance cameras. Oh right, okay. Um, oh, it, yeah. That it being that, uh, yeah, Sharon Stone starring erotic thriller. As, that's it. Not <laughs> <laughs> to say in the in the manner of Paul Barron, otherwise. It's yes, the Paul erotic Barron. surveillance thriller. Uh, number three is uh, Wump there it is by Tag Team classic yeah number two is That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson can't remember that one I'd probably know it if I heard it I don't know Uh, number one is Weak by SWV Um, I don't ever remember that one either no it's a a pretty unfamiliar American chart for us this this time around isn't it yeah, okay. Definitely more R&B than the sort of pop reggae that is uh, prevailing in the in the UK, I think. Although they've, they've got UB40 as well, I guess. Yeah, they have to suffer as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've not gone much into what's going on in, in terms of music because we'll obviously put our picks together right. when we talk about it. But uh, the one thing I did want to mention, because it's someone, someone who's quite important to all of us, is, of course, it's the year that Frank Zappa passes away. Yeah. Um... In December. Oh, yeah, yeah. Despite that, it's not a year where he doesn't produce anything because there's several albums out, isn't there, from... Oh, he was absolutely just smashing albums out at the time, yeah. I guess that you just had the Yellow Shark, wouldn't you? And um, Civilization Phase 3, I think he didn't come out quite then, but he finished it, so that comes mm. out shortly afterwards, and then there were a lot of archival things as well. Yeah, so at least one of the Mother's albums comes out that year, I think. Yeah, ahead of their time, I think, had just it, come yeah. out not long since, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really know much about Zappa at the time, but uh, I think you'd started getting into him then, hadn't you? Yeah, I was pretty much like the full-on obsessive fandom by that stage, so I was absolutely devastated, as I'm sure you can imagine, but yeah. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, 1993. Uh, Okay, so that's music. We'll come back to our album picks at the end. Um, Let's go to the cinema for a look at some of the big films of 1993. Any thoughts on what might be in there? Uh, Jurassic Park. You're definitely right. Anything uh, else? Uh, the Fugitive. The Fugitive, you're definitely right. Yeah. How did I saw Demolition Man was 1993. Was I don't know how yeah, successful that the, was. Yeah, it wasn't one of the top, top 10 top grossing films anyway. But yeah, it was definitely 1993. 
was was Sliver? Was that? Was that? <laughs> it wasn't one of the top rated ones, anyway. <laughs> no. No. Oh, well, I mean, the top three. So Jurassic Park was the number one. Uh, quite rightly so. It was a phenomenal film. Uh, the Fugitive was number three. The film in between at number two, I like to think as the exact midpoint between The Fugitive and Jurassic Park. <laughs> and that's Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, All <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, number four was Schindler's List. Number five was The Firm. Uh, number six is Indecent Proposal. So there's your super big thriller. Mm-hmm. Seven was Cliffhanger, eight was Sleepless in Seattle, nine was Philadelphia, and number ten was The Pelican Brief. That's a John Grisham, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Very very 90s, aren't they, all those films? Very Very 90s. 90s. Okay, so, oh yeah, I did, uh, I noted down one or two other films that came out that year, such epics as the Super Mario Brothers film. Oh, yeah. (laughs) which really has to be seen to be believed, although please don't watch it and blame me for how it makes you feel. Um, Groundhog Day comes out in 1993. Oh, yeah. Splitting Hairs. Oh, Eric Idle. Eric Idle film. Um, Coneheads. Amazing. Um, Hulk Hogan's Mr. Nanny. <laughs> I was going to say, it must have been the time of Hulk Hogan's film career, yeah. And uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Brilliant. So, yeah, I've got a little bit of TV to uh, to talk about as well, oh, yeah. because there's a lot of stuff in the UK that I, was very important to me, uh, of which I've got a couple to mention, and there's some other stuff that you just, mm-hmm. uh, you'll remember. So, do we remember Jasper Carrot, Robert Powell, The oh, Detectives? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. If anyone doesn't know who those actors are, well, they're more likely to know who Robert Powell is. Yeah. Um, but The Detectives was a spin-off from a sketch segment on a stand-up comedian's show of two bung- bungling detectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely bungling. Yes, lots of bungling going on. <laughs> I seem to remember quite enjoying it, though. It was. Yeah, I think it was just fairly daft and inoffensive, wasn't it? Yeah, I liked yeah. it at the time. Yeah, it didn't try and do too much sort of like direct parodying the, the genre, really. It's just sort of a character thing of these idiots. Uh, we have um, time-travelling uh, philanderer uh, <laughs> Nicholas Lindhurst in Goodnight, Sweetheart. Oh, yeah, yeah. Never, never really watched that, but I know it was very popular, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember watching it all, but when you think about the concept behind it, it's absolutely atrocious. I can't, I can't remember. Did they ever have any of the things that that he... Because he just had no care at all about causing paradoxes no. and things that cause trouble in time travel things normally, did he? He would just happily go back to the to the forties and play Elton John songs. And, uh, were were there ever any repercussions for him when he went back to the present day? I can't remember. No, I can't remember either. I don't think they really uh, took the time travel aspect of it seriously. <laughs> the main focus was making sure this man could have an affair in the past. Yeah, that was the main gist of it, wasn't it? I mean, we were supposed to laugh and clap and go, "Oh, this is exciting! How good for him! I hope he gets together." It's like what? That's <laughs> horrible. Yeah. Stop sitting at the pub piano playing Beatles songs. It's it's not right. Uh, we have the TV adaptation of Sharp begins in 1993. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy those. They're, they're really good. Yeah, uh, they're good. Yeah, definitely. I'd probably never read a Sharp book, but I really enjoy the uh, the uh, TV series. 
And we have, for our American friends who will have loved the Golden Girls, as indeed did I at the time, we make the British version called the Brighton Bells. Oh, God. It immediately sounds rubbish, doesn't it? Before you even know the faintest thing about it. Jean yeah. Bolt from Bread, was she one of them? Oh, she might have been. I, I haven't got that information to hand. I, and... I, can't, I vaguely remember it existing. Uh, yeah. And I remember reading that it was going to happen and thinking, that sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah. And lo, it was. Indeed it was. It, uh, it didn't last long, I don't think. Or it didn't leave much of a, a mark. But uh, things that are very important to me in the year, but there's uh, a... Uh, series called Mr. Don and Mr. George, which is a very, very strange comedy spun off from a sketch show called Absolutely. But more importantly is The Smell of Reeves and Mortimer. <laughs> so anyone who's listening to this might know that I am, a ma- and as we all are, I think, <clears throat> a massive fan of Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. And The Smell of Reeves and Mortimer is two series of absolute classic, weird f- <laughs> variety comedy. It's... Um, Oh, it's wonderful. I I could yeah. start talking about it and never stop, really. <laughs> but uh, I would say to anyone, if you want to get a, the measure of our sort of shared sense of humour, a lot of it's bound up in Vic and Bob, isn't it, really? Yeah. certainly is, yeah. Definitely. So, so go and look up some Reeves and Mortimer. Uh, and in America, what have we got? Well, we have Animaniacs Starts, oh, yeah. which is an absolutely brilliant uh, cartoon. Very funny, even now. But there's lots of other things, such as Dar- Trek, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, the most boring of the Star Treks. <laughs> I don't know if I mean that. I never watched um, that terrible one with Scott Bakula in it. Mm. That was uh, supposedly very boring. But yeah, DS9, a bit, I don't know. I must go back and watch it again at some point. We have um, Diagnosis Murder. Crikey. Which... If you'd have pressed me on that, I would have insisted it was an 80s thing. I would have probably placed it a good few years earlier than that, yeah. But no. Diagnosis Murder, which often is put in the same slot as Quincy on ITV. Always a poor replacement. Yeah. Very inferior. Very inferior. But uh, I know it has Equally as preposterous. Yeah, <laughs> but, but no Jack Klugman, so what are you going to do? Oh. Just as the chimney sweep doing crime solving and (laughs) surgery um yeah nypd blue starts so that's obviously a significant cop show why do they why do they never repeat that that hasn't been repeated for i don't know i don't know 20 years i reckon yeah because that was quite a sort of cultural phenomenon at the time wasn't it it was really good i'd really love to re-watch that Yes, I'd quite like to watch it because I don't think I ever saw any of it really. And now, yeah, I watched. I never watched all of it, but I've certainly watched a good chunk of it. And yeah, just you never ever see it on. No, I mean, there's all those channels now on on TV that just do sort of those types of shows, but I've never seen it go past in the. No, uh, I'm all over those channels. I'd I'd, I'd, uh, spotted it if it was. uh... Well, let me know if you if it does if you do come across it. uh, but you don't need to let me know if you come across Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Always used to be on early on a Sunday morning, didn't it? Yeah, I think it had some weird repeat times. Well, so if you woke up like at seven o'clock or something, it was always like on. It was really boring. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. there was something much better on after, but if you were awake a bit too early, you had to just 
sit through it. I mean, there was always the option of just turning the TV off, but you just didn't, did you? No, you just you left didn't. it on. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, there's a couple of things from the UK and the US there anyway to uh, sum up our 1993, really. Mm-hmm. So I think it's time to get to our picks. And I'll tell you what, I'll go first, get mine out of the way, my movie and music picks. And I'm even as I'm speaking now and using extra words to fill in time while I try and actually finally settle on the things that I'm going to choose, because I've got a couple of options mm-hmm. here, is, well, all right, for me film, I'm going to come down on it. And it's, I know it's another Studio Ghibli film, but it's My Neighbour Totoro. Ah, oh, tremendous. Which comes out in 1993 and is... Plainly and simply a kid's film, but it is an absolutely astonishing piece of art. Yeah, it's, it's It's like as very few films that do as good a job of having that, creating that sense of that half asleep, half awake state of sort of imagination, I think. And um, obviously it's a very beautifully um, drawn and, and animated as well. So my, my choice is My Neighbour Totoro, which I just... How could you not love it? It's um, it's brilliant. And my pick for music is not going to be Paul McCartney's 1993 album, Off the Ground, which I do love. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be Modern Life is Rubbish by Blur, which is probably still my favourite Blur album. It's a corker. Yeah, I think it definitely is. It's it's great. It's, yeah, it's got songs like Chemical World on it, which are just absolutely storming. Um, it is what I will go back to time and time again and listen to. And uh, uh, yeah, there's lots to be said for all the different Blur albums, more or less. But uh, I think Modern Life is Rubbish is by far my favourite. And I wish I'd heard it at the time. It, I sort of had to go back and mm. listen to Blur stuff later after they got bigger, which I'm willing to admit. Yeah, you know, I came on board after uh, after the big flush of you know the great escape album but i did go back i you know paid my dues <laughs> <laughs> okay right i'm gonna go to morgan then and see what his film and music choices are okie doke um well film wise um i am gonna go for uh dazed and confused okay yes uh, um the richard link later movie uh just basically following a, a bunch of um sort of Kids in in 1976 uh, on the, the the last day of of um, well hang on a minute let me yeah it, it's it's following a bunch of kids just on this one day it, uh, in school so there's the, the young kids being hazed who are going to go up to the mm-hmm. to, to, to the, the the next school there's um, Matthew McConaughey is the the sort of aging ex football star who's still creepily hanging around trying to hit on high school girls there's um, a party that keeps almost happening and then doesn't quite happen but then happens somewhere else so one of these films like um, American Graffiti in a way where there's not really any kind of major overriding plot it's just sort of captures an era and yes, captures just yeah. sort of a, a moment in time for all these different characters. And it's, it's just really beautifully done. Um, great ensemble cast, uh, including Ben Affleck in definitely his best ever role as the sort of uh, meathead jock who ends up getting his comeuppance quite hilariously. 
Um, it's, it's a brilliant film. It, yeah. yeah, and I think that comparison to American Graffiti is right. It's that sort of, it's sort of everything and nothing, isn't it? It's mm. it's a watershed moment for the characters, but to everyone else, it's just a day in the life. It's just another yeah. another day. Yeah, I, I, I've just always loved it, and um, yeah one of those films I can watch any number of times and just never get tired of it. Yeah, it's great. Um, so that was my film choice. And then music wise, I thought particularly given the, um, that the, the novel we've been looking at looks at a sort of, um, a kind of hardcore hip hop collective. Um, I, I thought it, it was only right that I went for um, the debut album by the Wu-Tang Clan, uh, Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers, uh, which is one of the very best hip-hop records ever made. It's absolutely astonishing. Just um, nine um, extremely talented MCs all together in one group. Uh, and and a great producer just making this incredible music with really cheap gear um coming right in at the in at the sort of end of the golden age of sampling before people wised up and started really clamping down on that yeah, so yeah. there's just this really rich kind of tapestry of um classic kind of obscure bits of soul and jazz and everything just kind of mashed up into this grimy distorted mess it's just um yeah with with samples of old kung fu movies all over the top um yeah it's an amazing record excellent excellent pick and yes very relevant to the uh, the book we were we were reading as well all right so let's go to steve-o and hear what he has chosen hello well um well I, i'm i'm also picking dazed and confused actually because uh, oh yes. double pick yes it well uh, yeah by far and away the the best film of that year i would say it's absolutely brilliant uh, film for when you just can't be bothered watching anything that has any plot whatsoever <laughs> seeing ben affleck get covered in paint and marvelous yeah, he's great. Um, and when they drive off at the end, don't they, to go and get their Aerosmith tickets in Houston? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's great. A, a, a very funny film, and um, lots happen at the, uh, at the same time. But the, the guy who's, who who guests in uh, Friends when he gets beaten up at that party in the park, uh, when he like stands up to like the uh, the bully guys, a great, okay. great, great scene as well. <laughs> like lots of people who don't ordinarily get along suddenly start getting along don't they because they finish yeah. school and they're not constrained by who they're supposed to hang out with and who they're not and yeah i think it's one of the reasons that that film's great to watch for us is that it's it feels totally foreign despite the mm. fact it's america and it's the English language, and it's school. We know what going from one school to another is like, but it's like nothing like we had. Yeah, it's a whole other experience, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. That makes it a sort of fascinating other culture thing that a lot of those American films, teen films have that we don't have. Yeah, so that's my film choice. And then my music choice, well, uh, well, very uncool, I suppose, but uh, I- I'm going to go for a real live one by Iron Maiden, which yeah. is a great... Um, a pair, well, one of half a pair of live albums that they released that year, which I had at the time and I thought was uh, fantastic. Um, it was like their latter era, like live stuff. I think 
pretty much to coincide with Bruce Dickinson like leaving really to like yeah. herald his last tour with them. I think at the time. Does that be the Fear of the Dark tour? It would have been, yeah. And it, it had an amazing pull-out. These guy had it on cassette. It had like the big family tree that obviously being a cassette, oh, wow. like folded up into a piece <laughs> of paper, like the size of a, a large stamp. And then you unfolded it by about 10 dimensions and this thing was there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yes. So I'm going for that. That's an excellent pick. Yes, that's great. I can't believe no one picked the film Coneheads. <laughs> never seen it oh I think I've seen it once I don't remember it being Dan Aykroyd's finest hour um, <laughs> not his worst certainly but not and uh, yeah right anyway well just before we go I want to say I've, in the time between the last book and this book I've read a couple of other Ed McBain's or rather I've read Tomorrow's World also known as Tomorrow and Tomorrow which was one of his early sci-fi books and I've read an Evan Hunter novel called far from the sea hmm. and so my quick book reports on them for everyone is tomorrow and tomorrow is <laughs> you know how sometimes mcbain likes writing about boobs yeah well because this is a sci-fi book he's basically created an entire society in which you can just basically have people with their boobs out permanently <laughs> <laughs> but the the clever twist is they don't care because they they're called vikes which is short for vicarious and they just take drugs and they don't live through the sensual flesh anymore they just you know they live vicariously through um, media and they're against the normal people and it's all about you know it's good sci-fi concept mainly boobs mentioned (laughs) okay so that was that uh, and Far From the Sea is a sort of, again, it's semi-autobiographical about someone going to visit their um, dying father. Uh, it was written just after this basically happened to Evan Hunter. Huh. Again, it addresses infidelity, has a little bit of sex stuff in it. But actually, out of um, all of those sorts of the Evan Hunter books, the ones that are semi-autobiographical, it's, it's actually really good. Huh. It was quite a quick read. It's uh, not as dense as Streets of Gold, but yeah, it was. I, I've, I don't again. I don't know if "enjoyed" is the right word given the subject matter, mm. but it, it was worth a read. Yeah, and uh, I think it did fill in some gaps in my sort of autobiographical approach to the man. Anyway, cool. So there you go. I read a couple of those, and I've got a couple more to. I'll probably read in the next next month as well. Once I get through this bloody Neil Stevenson, I decided to read because, <laughs> because of you mentioning it last time, Morgan. And this, I'm reading The Diamond Age. Oh, amazing. Which is quite uh, intense. Yes. Anyway. That's the first <laughs> one I've read, I think. Uh, I, I might have to give it another go at some point. It's been a while. Yes. Uh, anything on your book, uh, on your side tables for reading in bed at the moment, folks? Uh, not from me. I haven't read anything for ages, so um, yeah, afraid not. No, fair Apart enough. Apart from Mischief by Ed McBain. <laughs> I most recently read the most recent book I finished was um, uh, I Know Why Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou. Oh right, I did that at um, A level, I think. Ah, cool. I, I'd, I'd never read any of uh, any of uh, her stuff before, but um, yeah, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Obviously, yeah, that stuck with me. There's little passages of descriptive stuff in that that have stuck with me from then till now. Just, just yeah, fantastic sentences. Um, 
and a, a really just great sense of humor as well like the humor of it uh, i think is is incredible particularly given how sort of hard-hitting and kind of brutal quite a lot of the the subject matter is um, absolutely yeah. it's uh it's 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 a pretty remarkable uh, book and then sort of in between uh before that and then now i've been reading a bit more of um uh, Frederick Pohl's uh, Heechee Saga and um, this, oh, right. this yeah, series of sci-fi novels that started with Gateway, which is fantastic. And then I think they get rather more pulpy as they go along, but I, I am enjoying them. So read Beyond the Blue Event Horizon, which is the second one. And then I'm uh, about halfway through Heechee Rendezvous now, which is uh, very entertaining. Good old sci-fi. It's probably not yep. got enough boobs in it for uh, McBain's <laughs> liking. <laughs> okay right well we will be back with the next book in the series and our thoughts about well actually the next books are from 1995 we skip a year um did we do 94 picks for um when we did the christmas one i can't remember i don't know we'll see i think maybe we did yeah i seemed uh, yeah i think we did Okay, well, we'll be doing. We'll be picking our our choices for nineteen ninety five next time when we're looking at uh, book forty seven, which is romance. So until then, I am signing off with a carefree adieu, and Stevo, au revoir, and Morgan, fairly well, in French, <laughs> in French. <laughs> Bye. Bye.